Welcome, everyone, to another Inland Lighthouse podcast, podcast number three. I'm your host, Danny Torado. With me is Brother Galen DaCosta. Here I am. Glad to be here. And our guest today is Brother Ronnie Granados. Praise the Lord, everyone. Glad to be here as well. It's uh, wonderful to be able to come in and uh, do podcasts. I've been an avid podcast listener for a number of years now. I don't even listen to the radio uh, just because I want to get on certain topics. And today we're going to be talking, uh, hopefully, we're going to see where our conversation leads us, where the Lord leads us. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, rightly dividing the word and uh, getting out there and teaching Bible studies. And so I'm just glad to be able to join the conversation. A little bit about myself. Uh, got the Holy Ghost in 1988 in the city of Bell Gardens. I cannot remember who it is that was preaching at the time. I think it was Brother Copeland. Yeah, it was Brother Copeland. And so I'm a, I was a product of that revival, and uh, I haven't uh, looked away since, and I've just been loving it. So uh, that's a little bit about my story, but we're not here to talk about me, so I'm going to digress. And, and uh, Brother Ronnie, when did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, it goes back to January 14th, 2000. It was at a Jesus Crusade. Uh, I remember the Brother Ron Libby was uh, the speaker, and he was talking about vapor and rain, and how as you begin to send up vapor of praise to God, he would send his rain according to the vapor. Um, it was a very interesting encounter. It was one that I'll never forget. That following Sunday on the 16th of January, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, out of Calvary Apostolic Church in the city of La Puente. And uh, since then, we've just been taking the journey and moving forward. But it's one of those things that you can never forget. Yeah, absolutely. Now, was that La Puente? That's Pastor Molander, correct? That was under Pastor Ted Molander, yeah. yes, sir. I got to tell you a story. I don't know if I ever told you this, but it was not originally called the Jesus Crusade. I don't know if you knew that. It was originally called the Prayer and Bible Conference. Yes, I've heard the story. <laughs> I remember this story, but please do tell it. And Pastor Molander at the minister's meeting, he said, I don't know why we call this the prayer and Bible conference. There's no prayer going on here. And right there, we changed it to the Jesus Crusade. So, oh, he's a wonderful man. We had him in revivals often. And uh, what, a, what a great man of God. And it's great that he now goes to Inland Lighthouse. We are privileged to have him here. And so it's just great. And so, uh, Brother Ronnie Granados, uh, coming out of that ministry originally, but here with us now, and we are blessed because of it. And so uh, there is a great need for home Bible studies, and there's a lot of people that want to teach home Bible studies. And so uh, ever since I've been here, uh, going on six years now, I have always seen Brother, Brother Ronnie in a Bible study, and that is something to aspire to always being in some kind of Bible study, because uh, that's just being about the work of our Father. So uh, we wanted to get him in here and talk to him a little bit about some of the things he does. And uh, so, Brother Ronnie, what um, tell us about where you like to start in regards to Bible studies, and how do you, how do you give us your feel about these things? Well, um, if I could, just a little background with regards to what kindled that flame. It was something as a new convert that Pastor Molander always emphasized the importance of knowing the Word of God for yourself. 
he always referred to, and he would be preaching from the pulpit. And he said, if you ever see me deviate from this black bound book, you turn and you run because (laughs) the most important thing is to have truth. And coming in this from a denominal background and, um, I didn't, I was always wanting to know more about the word of God. And I always wanted to have an answer. And when I first got this Holy ghost experience, it was something that, you know, I had friends and family that would look at me and they would, they would say that you're a part of something that's too extreme or Mm. that you were, you're, you're too, you're too, you're too, you're too, you're too radical into what you believe. But yet when I was lost in sin, they didn't want me around either. So (laughs) it was a lose, lose situation, you know? So I wanted to know what the word of God had for me and what I, what I needed. And one of the things that was given me was a Bible study in regards to a place prepared for, not a place prepared for you, but it was um, the search for truth. And um, the elder that was there was teaching us and we were going through it. And I was beginning to learn and grasp a lot of the things that the scripture had for myself and the atmosphere, the setting, it was very relaxing. There was no, it wasn't something where I felt pressured, but yet I was learning the word of God. The man presented the word of God to me with clarity and understanding that I can grow and I can learn. And now I'm starting to get in it. And it triggered something in my spirit that it was like, man, this is, there's more to this thing. Absolutely. So he had given me a lesson that was, um, that, that, that he had and that the Bible study plan uh, was uh, entitled rightly dividing the word. So he said, you want something to research in between our lessons? He gave me his Bible study Excellent. folder. I took it, started studying it out for myself. And I remember the first place I taught that was I was visiting my mom up in uh, Madeira and my sister. And um, they were staying with my grandmother at the time. And, they had a lot of questions about me. They noticed the difference that I was living for God, my wife, and the way that things were. I wasn't doing the things I used to do. So I began to share with them my experience. And they were they were amazed as to what God had done and what the Word of God said. So I carried that Bible study with me everywhere I went. I pulled out the folder from my bag and I said, well, let, let, let you want to do a Bible study? <laughs> so... They were were like, well, yeah, I was ready. I was prepared, you know. And and so when I opened it up, we began to go through the scripture. Excellent. And as a result of it, my sister ultimately ended up getting baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And she wasn't even sitting in the room. She happened to be sitting at the kitchen table just overhearing what the conversation was with my grandmother and with my mom. And to see the results of that and how that it impacted them, I thought, okay, I got to do this more. Yeah. I got to do this more. That's great. And from there, it just, I guess, flourished, and it is what it is now. I've just, and so from that point, we 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 did that in La Puente, and when we came here to Rialto, we did the same thing, and we just continued and, and grown from that. As it should be. So that scripture there in, uh, what is it, First uh, Peter uh but 315, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse. 
your good work conversation in Christ. So uh, the desire to just want to be out there and to teach the word of God, man, I don't know if uh, you can't get any closer to the heart of God. He wants us to spread his word. Uh, I'm sure that's not the only thing, but uh, that's a great starting point. So uh, what are one of the ways uh, that you got into the um, rightly dividing? As a matter of fact, what what scripture do you have for that? Rightly dividing the word, where's that located? Well, actually, that's good that you had mentioned it because you, 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 there's a couple of scriptures that are dear to my heart. And the the first one actually is the one well the second one was what you just quoted out of first peter but the the main scripture that is a focal point and that i it's it's one that i stand upon most and and everything that i do when people ask and that's in second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 through 18 it says study to show thyself approved unto god a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection has passed and overthrow the faith of some. And this has been my mission statement to be able to have an answer of the hope, but being able to rightly divide the word because we live in an hour where vain and profane conversations and thoughts and concepts oh, yeah. are out there and I want to be able to have an answer. It used to be early on in my walk with God that I was studying out other religious beliefs and denominal concepts that were out there to argue them. But then one thing that I had learned as I had grown in God was that the more that I know of the word of God for myself, I won't even need to know what they believe because the truth is what's going to set us free. The truth is what's going to give us the, the answer to the hope that's in us. We don't have to necessarily look for arguments and and be combative, although there are those moments where you're in a debate-type setting and so forth. But overall, as long as you're giving the proper translation or the proper context of what the Scripture's saying, you can never go wrong. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um Along with that scripture, what does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth? Can you break that down for us? Basically, to rightly divide would be to ask these simple questions. And this is something that I teach in the Bible studies that I give. You want to ask who, what, when, where, and how. It's kind of like a crime scene investigator when he goes into that crime scene. He's investigating what happened. Who did this happen to? When did this happen? Why did this happen? And how come this happened? So when we ask these questions in any scripture that you get, case in point, the scripture says in one point, it says, Judas went out and hung himself. And another reference, it says, what thou do, go do, do thou quickly. And what thou doest, doest likewise. Now, if we were to take those scriptures, we'd be in a bad situation because we're basically giving that person the, the ability to, hey, go hang yourself like Judas did. But that's not the proper interpretation, because why did this happen? Anytime you read a scripture, even just for the simplicity of, of, of reading scripture, you take that one scripture, if it doesn't make sense, one thing that I always say is read three scriptures above it, read that scripture, and read three scriptures below it. And you'll properly understand what's being stated. So the context is the important. context is key. It's it's just like in dealing as an example with Romans ten and nine. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, good point. Context that the context of that. 
confess what? He says, the word which we preach, that is the word of faith. It is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. What was the elder saying? Well, when you open the context of chapter 10, he's telling them that his first heart's desire was to do what? To save and reach the children of Israel. But because of the hardness of their heart, they wouldn't receive what he had to say concerning Christ. So then he goes forward. God had turned me over to you Gentiles and to reach you. And one of the commissions that Jesus gave was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So what was Paul saying in Romans chapter 10? He was saying, look, the word which we preach, it's with you. Mm-hmm. You don't need me, the apostle Paul there as the preacher, mm-hmm. to, tell, to, to, to go and win these people. He's basically saying what we've instilled in you with the word of God, mm-hmm. you can go and tell them because it's in your heart. You can confess with your mouth. One translation, if you confess to the non-believer, and that, that's in the, it's in the New American, no, it's in the New Living Translation. It says, if you confess to the non-believer your faith in Christ Jesus, you'll be saved, mm-hmm. which is a fulfillment of the commission to go and preach the gospel unto every creature. Okay, so now a lot of people use that scripture as, well, see, I've confessed Jesus, I'm saved. Right. But that's not the context that's no. taken way out. And so that would be incorrectly dividing the word of truth. Yes, it correct? would be. So go elaborate a little more on that, because I'm sure you've run into people say, well, I've already confessed the Lord. Well, what I would like to do is in that respect is I don't want to take away what they've gained Excellent. and that they've accepted the Lord, because there is something as a part of the gospel message. And that one thing that's important that John the Baptist came and he brought the message of, and that was repentance. So I don't look at it when a person says that they've accepted Christ into their heart. What they're realistically saying, and they don't understand it, is they've repented of their sins. They want to live a life that is separated unto the Lord. They've repented, and they want to live for God. So when they say that they've accepted Jesus into their heart, I'm not going to look at them and say, well, no, you're wrong. You've taken the first step. My 15-year-old son told my uncle the same thing. He said, well, I've accepted the Lord into my heart. He says, that's the first step. You've repented. There's more to it. And in that repented state, you just take what they have and you build on it. Right. You know, Build on it. That's a good point. And if you can't build somebody up in, in the scripture and what they know, what good is it going to do to tear down everything that they've had? Excellent point. Because nobody, the only thing that tore down what I knew was the, the inconsistencies of what I thought was truth when God revealed to me truth. But see, we have to have a heart like Jesus that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And if we have a heart that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, when God reveals the light of his word to us, it'll be clear. There won't be any reason for argument. And if at all possible, I try not to argue the scripture with people Excellent. because... I want to be like, actually, my wife and I strive to be like Priscilla and Aquila. And we want to make straight the way of the Lord more clear and perfect for these people as we come in contact with them. So in that respect, as an example to Romans 10, we would want to say, who is this book written to? And at the beginning of the chapter, it says, to all beloved of God called to be saints. Okay, that's a good point. And who were the saints of God? They were everyone that was born again of water and of spirit. And then we would take them from that point. Well, who were the saints? Then we would take them back to the book of Acts and then show them how that they were born of water and of spirit. Because sometimes, like I heard one preacher say, 
He said, you, you want to run through the Old Testament. No, he says, you want to run through the four Gospels, take a flying leap over the book of Acts, yeah. and land in, the book of, and <laughs> land in the book of Romans chapter 10 and 9. And we don't want to do that with the, with the Word of God. We want to take everything that it has and be able to, with patience and meekness, teach them. Take the time. Because they was done for me, and I, f- I feel that my, my duty and obligation would be to do the same for them. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, being patient. Uh, as a matter of fact, looking at it up right now in the New Testament, the word teach is in there um, 34 times, and most of it is in Acts. They went from house to house teaching. So that's that's an excellent point. A good heart to have if you're going to start in a Bible study. I cannot agree with you more about the argument part uh in the uh, prison ministry uh i know when i first came on there there was actual wars these guys were ready to throw blows uh the apostolics with uh you know uh, from other denominations uh arguing scripture but uh we've we've since gotten them to say hey you know what don't don't do that it's not Yes, it's likened to a sword, but that's not the way you want to go around using it. So accepting what people already have, that is an excellent point uh, because we don't want to tear down right. what, what, what they got there. We want to add to it, just like uh, the two, uh, what was it, Priscilla and Elkill, they added to, right? They added to. And so that's an excellent point. So tell, let me ask you this. The next question would be, um, he goes on to say, uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, Break that down for us. Well, one, I can say that in studying it, it, you can't just take everything that you're given at face value from any pulpit in the regard to what's being preached from the pulpit you're obligated in essence to study out what's being given from the scripture. Even as I teach Bible studies, I always encourage one, I'll give scriptural reference points in some cases as to areas we're going to go study these things out. Tell me what you got out of it. Right. You want to study and take the time and effort to know what the word of God is. Take an hour, take half an hour, but read a chapter, two chapters and go through the scripture as you're going through it. Some of the places that I like encouraging people to start with as an example would be, say, The Simplicity, the book of John. It's an easy book. You're seeing the miracle. You're seeing the power of God. You're seeing the healings of God. You're seeing God's way and his love towards his people. And it's one thing that when you take that time, I, I had notebooks some of which have disappeared through the course of moving. <laughs> and I know what Bishop uh, talks about when he lost his uh, his notes on an airplane. Oh, his whole Bible, that's right. And, he lost his whole Bible. And I can go back, Brother DaCosta, to times when I was just sitting, just studying out certain topics. And I don't know, I, one, one topic in particular was the book of Proverbs. And I remember the time that I was, as I was going through it, and it was talking about gravitating and clinging to wisdom and understanding. And he likened it unto a mother-father relationship. And when I got to certain points that I seen how much love that God had for me, that he wanted me to not only have wisdom, but understanding of his ways. I can look back and just remembering the tears 
and the water blotches on my ink paper, on my paper and pad. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it was just where God was menaced, but it took time and effort. Right. And so oftentimes you've probably heard it, you know, when you're teaching and it's like you, you hear people, man, I wish I could know the word of God like you. I wish I could. And you hear these things, but you don't know what it took as far as the time and the effort. And I don't want to stand unapproved before God. Right. And not be able to give an answer. I want to take as much time in his word because the riches and the depth and, and the principles that are there that not only help me, that God can give me, that they can help other people. And when I see the effects and the impacts that it has on other people's lives when they take it right, and they run with it, there's young men that we've been working with here in our local church that that they're, they're bus captains in our in our outreach and, you know, they're teaching Bible studies. They're involved in Bible studies. They're right. doing the work of God, and and it's like I can look back and 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 to God be the glory. But had I not been available, you know, one of the young men, he was a, a, a denominal pastor's um, son, right? And to see where God has taken him, and to see how that he took what God had given him through these lessons, and now he's applying the same principles in so many ways. Because if everything I'm doing is just for me to do it for my own glory, there's nothing that's going to be accomplished. Right, right. But if everything that I'm doing can be instilled into somebody else so that not only am I standing approved unto God, but I feel that if I'm doing what I'm doing to give it and pass the proverbial mantle to somebody else and watch them take it, the kingdom can grow. Right. Because even the bishop's dream is if to have as many types of Bible studies like this, be it here yeah. or within homes, so that we can fulfill going house to house, yeah, like in the book of house Acts. to house, yeah, that's excellent. And you know what? They, um, it's really not uh, as you're saying. Obviously, there's a there's a personal uh, depth to you about studying the Word of God, uh, but I know you're not saying, "Hey, uh, everybody ought to be at this level before they do it," right? Because it is interesting. The Scripture says, "A workman, not a student," right? But a workman. Difference between tell us what's the difference between a workman and a student. A student's one that's learning, but a workman is one that's applying. There you go. And you have to apply the effort and the yeah. labor and the work. Even if maybe somebody doesn't, well, I don't feel like I'm that good, man. I haven't, you know. But if you work at it. Yeah, just because, work. Because I, I I didn't get, and, and I'm not, to, to, for this, and, and, I say, and I say this with all humility, where I'm at in, 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 in giving Bible studies, it's only by the grace of God, Brother DaCosta, because I remember my first Bible study when I was teaching out of that out of that binder, that three ring binder to my <laughs> to my great. to my family. I was fumbling over the over the notes and I was stuttering and and I was trying to give them the answer. But as I as I progressed and not only as I studied it for myself, as I was learning it for myself, and as I was teaching it, it was it was a twofold blessing because somebody was learning from it. And as I was teaching that individual, I was gaining more understanding right. and depth. Right. And there's work and there's that labor. And sometimes you can get discouraged because, man, I only got one person come to Bible study today. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, bless God, that one person yep. is there for that reason, to learn more of the Word of God. Right. And it's key. It's, it's very key. Very key, yeah. Uh, I think he wanted to emphasize that you go out and you work it. That you don't stay trapped and be a student all your life, right? But, but work it, okay. So moving down on that same scripture, um, 
is uh, he 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 taught a workman needs to work by a set of plans. Right. Okay. So um, there in there in Hebrews it says uh, I believe he's telling he says to Noah, "See thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount." Or no, well this is he's talking to Moses there. The pattern showed thee in the mount, and so. Tell us a little more about rightly dividing, because that's an important part. Uh, even the very beginning, you talked about uh, going through the three, four Gospels and skipping over Acts. Uh, that's a huge disconnect right there. It is, brother, because one of the biggest things that you find, and and not only not only among apostolics, but and even in denominal groups, is there's literally, I mean, you even have some Bibles and there's been studies that, that have been done where they're literally pulling out verses and chapters, no, not so much chapters per se, but literal verses at a time and they're removing the scripture and in essence, robbing people of what they need to get. It's like going to a salad bar in that respect. You know, we all have our play, favorite salad, all you can eat places that we can go to, depending on what type of food you like. But usually you focus on what caters to your appetite. And what we fail to get sometimes are those healthy things, such as the greens, right. the cauliflowers, right. the, the, the broccolis. And, and we, well, they don't have a good flavor as much as, say, uh, that, that teriyaki chicken over there. Well, that teriyaki chicken is good and it tastes good, but you're going to need some, some greens to go with it, maybe a little bit of rice. Yeah. you got to balance <laughs> everything out. Yeah. And you can't have one verse of scripture without the other. And, Good point. And just as an example, even the dynamics of the four gospels, for example, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's renditions of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. But you weren't getting it from a one-sided perspective. Right. You were getting four different personalities, four different mindsets, and you were getting what they seen, how they seen it, and it was in chronological order. Some emphasized more on, say, the healings. Right. Some emphasized more on the deity and the divinity. Some emphasized more on the minutia of the lineage and the history of, of, of who Jesus Christ was as being a Jew and fulfillment of, of his messianic prophecies. But yet none of them contradicted each other. No contradictions. That's right. And you find 66 books from cover to cover that never contradict each other. And you say, well, well, why does the the scripture make reference to this here, and it makes reference to this over here? Where's the mediator? The beautiful thing is that the scripture says that we're built upon the foundation of who? The apostles and prophets. You got the Old Testament examples because Jesus couldn't have been who he was unless he fulfilled everything which was written, and the and the prophets and the law right. and in the Psalms concerning him, according to Luke twenty four. But yet. We're also built upon the foundation of the apostles. Right. But who was the mediator that joined these two uh, covenants together? It was Jesus Christ. He showed not only how to live, but to fulfill what the word of God said and how to apply it. And he gave us that commission. And unfortunately, so many people want to take that flying leap over what was instituted as a commission. Because in the commission, he told them to tarry where? And the city of Jerusalem, for what purpose? Till they be endued with power from on high. 
And he also sent him that he was going to send him a promise of the father. How do we find out what these things are unless we go to the book of Acts to find them? These are the reference points, but so oftentimes people skip over that. And they're applying things to non-believers. And I understand that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But you also have to make sure that if it's all given and it's inspired by God, we got to make sure that this is applicable. You know, there's there's something that I was reading an article today from a magazine. And with the rightly dividing the word, you know, you, you've got to be careful on what, even what type of Bible you read. Um, because in that article, it said there's quite a few discrepancies in the NIV. Right. You know, there's, for example, um, it says the NIV contains... Uh, 63,000 words, right. total words, less than the King James Version. So you're missing out on a whole lot exactly. just by reading, you know, a different version. You know, Brother Danny, and it's funny that you point that out because if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure about that article in particular, but I know that there's been some other um, ministers that have done studies and there was one from when we were in La Puente who went parallel with the King James and the NIV. Yeah, I had one of those. And when he went through it, you find that the majority of the scriptures relating to Jesus Christ's deity, to the blood, to healings, to anything that dealt with prayer and God's, fasting, God's power and how it's in operation, the majority of those scriptures are removed. Yeah. I got rid of mine. <laughs> and, 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 but, but see, but see now, now, but see, here's the thing. And this I is like that. They, they make for good commentaries because in some subject matters, you're right. They're, they're good reference points to maybe give a little, like I said, the new living translation regarding Romans 10 and nine. Right. Had I not gone through my parallel Bible just to study, well, I, I see what it's saying and I'm understanding the concept here, but it seems like there's something missing. What? I, so I went into my parallel, which in essence would be a commentary version, because my reference point in all this, the Bible studies that I teach is King James. Some people right. say, well, you're King James only. I'd rather be King James only because it, the the dynamics of, of, of how close and, and now it's got its it's it's. It's, in, it's it's discrepancies per se, but it doesn't compare to like like the reference you made, Brother Danny, the, the NIVs. I mean, that's, you got over, and yeah. I think at one point it's over, uh, a, a few, I don't know the exact number offhand, but I know it's a few hundred literal verses. Yeah, it's big. That it's are big. missing. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of malnourishment spiritually. Yeah. And you, you, you don't want to, shortchange yourself with other commentary style Bibles. Right. But in the same token, you want to also make sure that you're being mindful of what you're reading and how you're reading it. So, okay, let me ask you this, not to interrupt you, but uh, what do you do if you come to somebody's house and that's the kind of Bible they have? They have, uh, you know, we don't, I'm not saying you would, because you didn't, you didn't blast it or you didn't say it's a no good, just pointing out some of the deficiencies in the uh, NIV, which I, I totally agree. So, because the English is difficult in King James if you're not used to reading it. Right. And I'm sure that uh, we've all encountered people that, um, man, I just don't understand it. Right. And so, what do you personally do when you're doing a Bible study and you find out they've got different versions? Or <laughs> Brother, to be honest, I hate to laugh, but I get excited. All right. Because this is another thing that I've learned about the truth of the Word of God. 
And I, me and Brother Danny, we've had these conversations at times before. I don't care what translation it is. I don't care if it's a Jehovah's Witness Bible, Catholic Bible, uh, New King James, NIV. The message is still the same. The context is still the same. Some people can make the statement that, well, the word of God can mean a thousand things to a thousand people. Right. That's always an accusation. That's but you know what the beautiful part about that concept or that, that, that ideology is this. The scripture clearly states that God is not the author of confusion. Right. And if God isn't the author of confusion, and if the word of God can mean a thousand things to a thousand people, that's confusion. So the first thing is we know that's not of God. I have been able to show people, I even have a translation, it's a, a an NIV uh, Korean Bible, in case I come across somebody who speaks Korean. <laughs> the message will still be the same as long as we rightly divide. And it doesn't matter what the translation is. We have to make sure that who's making the change to the translation. See, the Word of God will say the same thing, no matter what translation it's you're, you're getting it from. We got to know where's the source and who's giving us the food that's coming from out of that book. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Because Jesus warned about in the last days, seducing spirits and right. doctrines of what? Devils that would be arising. People that would hire preachers that would tickle their ears, having itching ears. We don't want to allow ourselves to be misled or misdirected. Or even be discouraged because, well, they might have a different translation. Right. We'll use your translation because, as an example, the new birth message, it's still the same no matter Unchanged. what translation. That's, it's not changed. Yep. Um, and as long as we can show them, I've had people from different denominations come to my, my front door and, oh, you're, oh, that's awesome. You're of this persuasion. I pull out their Bible and I'm going through the scripture with them. Then when they start seeing, it's like, there's kind of like a light that goes on, but in the same token, how did he get that out of my book? I've never seen that before. Well, who are they being fed by? Right. And what we feed the people of God, and even somebody that's coming in fresh, if they have a different translation, I'm not worried or concerned because as long as I'm showing them in the proper context. Rightly dividing, yeah, that's a good point. Rightly dividing it. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. Uh in regards to rightly dividing, uh, leading people around, along the, the scriptures, uh, what have you ever encountered somebody say, well, this thing you're showing me here in Acts, that was for the Jews. Uh, you know, we don't, I don't see that happening here in the New Testament. Um, you know, they, that, that was for the Jews. They spoke in tongues. But here in the New Testament, you know, we... Um, uh, of course, they're going to go there to Corinthians uh, about gifts, right, and confuse that. So how have you delicately handled that? Well, it's, it's, it's a good point that you bring up because there's, there's two ways I would go about it. Because the first reference point that they'll refer to is when the day of Pentecost was fully come. In Acts chapter 2, they were just Jews. But one thing you're going to notice, the statement that was made, the wonderful works of God in the context and he continues down when you see these different people from these different languages that are being conveyed there god was first getting the attention of the people okay then when they looked some people were marveled and astonished 
Others were mocking, saying, these men are full of new wine. Why would they say that? There were some things that were going on there that didn't look right and that were kind of abnormal to the appearance just by, by sight. But what did Peter do? He stood up with the 11, which meant every single one of these men was backing Peter and what he had to say. He says, these men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. What did he say he'd do? He would pour out of his spirit upon who? Just the Jews? He said, upon all flesh. All flesh? Then he goes, your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And he goes on to deal with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But it didn't stop there. One of the key statements that was made that if we make an oversight, he said, all flesh. Mm -hmm. There's no discrimination in all flesh. Right. Just flesh. It's just flesh. Now, every single one of us here is but flesh. Right. But the beautiful part about it is, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, he, he brings it home. They feel conviction because they know that they're the results of why Jesus went on the cross and he laid his life down for all of humanity was to redeem us. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he didn't stop there. Yeah. Well, let me just stop you there. Back up to verse number 37 because 38 is an answer to what what does it say in 37 37 says men and brethren what shall we do what shall we do after they had what heard after they heard the gospel message and the word of god being proclaimed by the apostle peter right and so that brought them to that question what do we got to do from here where do we go from here where do we go from here what do we need to do because we see that it was our sins that nailed this man to a tree so so then in verse 38 he gives them repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, if I wanted to stop there, I'd say, see, that was just for them. Right. Go but on. But see, to get the context, remember what I said. You want to ask who, what, when, where, and so forth. But not only that, I always say you read a few verses above. So let's go what a few verses below that scripture now says. He said, for the promise is unto you, which are here right now, and to your children which are to come, and to all that are far off, which would be in Jerusalem. Right. But he didn't stop there. Even also as many as the Lord our God shall call. My question for that individual would be this. Is God still calling people today? That's right. That's right. And if he's still calling people today, then guess what? That promise is for you. That's right. That promise, and if I can make this uh, commercial, that promise is for anybody listening. That's right. To be born again of water and spirit, because we understand that John 3, 16 said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But even in that context, we can't just write on that alone. Why did God so love the world? So that a man, according to John 3 and 5, 6 and 7, could be born again of water and spirit. That's why God so loved the world, so that we would have the opportunity of this new birth experience. That's right. So when they they say those things, I really don't worry about it, because if they still want to maybe question it, then I say, well, you know what? 
I'm glad you make that point. And sometimes Brother Danny's been there and, and I'll be going and I'll, I'll get writing because I get caught up in the moment of, of when I'm teaching. And I'll say, oh, and I know what you're thinking. Well, that was just to the Jews. Well, I'm glad you had that question. Yep. Let's go there. And then I'll take them to the next passage. Right. And I'll show them Acts chapter eight where the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost and were born again of water and spirit. Then Acts chapter 10, which was the first outpouring upon yep. the Gentile. Right. The first non-Jew. Non-Jew. Good point. And what, what did Peter say? He says, can any man, when these people received the gift of the Holy Ghost, Cornelius and everybody that was there, he says, can any man, he says, they received the Holy Ghost as well as we at the first. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? What was he saying? These Gentiles, these non-Jews received the Spirit of God the same way that these Jews did, which also goes to balance out the fact that if you want to just stick to Acts chapter 2, we could. But if we want to continue to read down the scripture, we can also see yep. where the first non-Jew received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Good point. And it seems, uh, if I recall, that Cornelius was a man of prayer. Yes, he was. So he was a religious non-Jew. Right. Uh, which, uh, so th this guy, he believes in God. What God, I'm not sure. Probably the Hebrew God, but... All the same, God hears his prayers. Right. And sends him a man, sends him a preacher. And so that that must have been that's gotta be one of the best Bible studies to be in. And you know what the to find yourself right? coming across somebody like that. <laughs> and the beautiful part about a part it or the beautiful part about it is that were the results of that prayer. Right. It was a memorial prayer. Memorial prayer. Good and point. And even in, in that respect, sometimes we could be praying for things. And, and even in studying out the scripture, it may seem like we're not getting our answers scripturally or even in prayer. But there's going to come a day where God's going to give either the answer to it or he's going to give a revelation of it. Right. But it's never going to be contrary to his word. And and it's funny that, that you say that because Romans 10 and 2, he says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And there's a lot of people that are out there that are going to denominal churches Good point. that are living for God. They have a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. And one of the things that I feel that, that our duty or, or, and I would say, I can confidently say the church's duty is to help reach these people, to give them a knowledge so that they're not only zealous and misguided, but that we can take that zeal and apply it and build on it. Absolutely. Good point. Excellent point. We are coming down. We've got about five minutes left, but that's okay. I'm really enjoying this. And uh, let me just say, let me ask you this. So we want to continue with that theme uh, as we bring it to a close, rightly dividing the word of truth, uh, sometimes talking about things that are in the Old Testament, that are in the New Testament. Um, do you have, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Things that we see in the Old well, Let me just give you an example. Um, the blessing of Abraham. You know, was that only for the Jews uh, or can that also be something that transfers over or is a part of the Gentiles or the church? Well, the scripture does say in the New Testament that we are the sons of Abraham okay, by good faith. Point. There you go. And one thing that I can say in this respect, just a little food for thought, is the, the Jewish people were not officially established until... 
Jacob's name was converted into Israel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Prior to that, they were Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Abraham was a Hebrew. By definition, he would have, in essence, been a Gentile. Mm -hmm. The covenant of the Jewish people wasn't started until Jacob became a prince that had power with God. And so that's why, in essence, you see the covenant of circumcision given to Abraham, which were circumcised, not with a circumcision made with man's hands, but the circumcision of baptism, our washing away of our old sin. And we become inheritors of the covenant that was given. Why would God make that promise to Abraham that as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea, so shall your seed be? And he only gave him one child. Mm-hmm. because us non-Jews that were inheritors of faith would be the fulfillment of a promise that he had not seen. According to Hebrews, he said, for some of these people had went, and I'm paraphrasing, had went to the grave not seen, right? but yet they received the reward. right? And that reward for us was to be the sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. So when we see Old Testament examples, they're the schoolmaster that leads us to where we're at in the New Testament. Because a lot of people say, well, there's a lot of do's and don'ts in the New Testament. Not necessarily. There's a lot of opportunities in the New Testament. There there, there are forewarnings, if I could put it in that respect. But if you want to see the examples of what it means not to covet your neighbor's wife, we would reference David when he was on the balcony overlooking another man's wife taking a shower as an example of what not to do. Yeah, excellent. So the Old Testament was a schoolmaster leading us to Christ. Or as, as some would say, it's Christ concealed in the Old Testament and to whereas the New Testament is Christ revealed. Right. So, okay, so then uh, one good point, that's, that's well said. And so if, if something from the Old Testament, once again, Abraham, that covenant, the, the, the Abraham covenant is mentioned in the New Testament, that automatically lets you know that it's, it's being moved over also too. So when something's referenced, something in the Old Testament is referenced in the New Testament, there's a message in there. There's a concept in there that is for the church today. Yes. So that's also one of the ways to rightly divide uh, because um, there, um, Joel speaking about uh, the spirit being poured out upon all flesh. Right. Peter makes reference to that in the New Testament, lets you know that here is a promise that is given in the Old Testament, but here it is or uh, poured out in the right. New Testament. So it's for us. So rightly dividing... Uh, between the old and new, a, a good reference would be if it's mentioned in the New Testament, then it's for us. And it's also a fulfillment. It's a fulfillment, yeah. And it's, so it's for us. Good good word. So as we bring it to a close, is there anything I missed? Uh, tell us anything we missed, any questions maybe we didn't ask you about as we're talking about this rightly dividing as we're bringing it to a close. And, and I'm excited about uh, what our next podcast will be in the same theme of getting involved in home Bible studies. But... Uh, any last words on well, rightly dividing? Well, one thing I would say is to anyone that's listening, just don't be discouraged if there's things that don't seem clear to you, because there's always going to be an answer that you're going to find. Right. And in finding that answer, it'll take you down a journey that will unfold and unlock a lot more clarity when it comes to the Word of God. And the beautiful part about it was that even Jesus when he gave his commission and as the Bible says that the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following you say, what did that mean? Everything that the apostles preached 
was being confirmed through the Spirit of God and showing this is what's happened. You'd be amazed, Brother DaCosta, how many Bible studies that we've done. And without fail, the topic that we may have been going over, the scriptural reference points that we've been discussing, that following service, the preacher's hitting on it. Sure. And confirming his word, showing this is what it is. This is just re, 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 re-solidifying, or not so much solidifying, but sealing the nails on the proverbial coffin right? To, to the truth of the message. Because, like I said, God's not the author of confusion, and God won't bring confusion when it comes to his word. And the beautiful part about it is it doesn't matter what rendition or translation, God's truth will always triumph. And if there is different translations, we'll work with them and then we'll get them a Bible. We try to do that as well. Even in Bible studies, when we teach these lessons, if we see somebody that comes in, doesn't have a Bible just so that they can see the importance of the word of God, we'll get them a Bible, Yeah, you know, right. because we don't want to leave anybody without and not being able to have the ability to, to, to learn and grow. But I appreciate this. This was fun. I really enjoyed myself. No, it, it, and we're, I'm looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. Um, and we're going to continue with that theme. Hopefully, Lord willing, we will continue because there's a great need. And as you said, don't be discouraged. Uh, I can remember um, being nervous, trying to do a Bible study. And really, it was my problem. I didn't want to be wrong or I didn't want to be shown up or right. I didn't want to, you know, uh, but you're not going to be wrong. Stick to the word of God. Right. And uh, hey, if if uh, you can find an answer, send us a text. Do we have a Do we have a Twitter handle? No. Next time we'll get one. <laughs> Next time you hear us, we'll have one. Send us a text. Send us an email, and uh, maybe we can uh, give you some some help on whatever questions you might have. Because there's a lot of stuff. You know what the main thing? Bottom line, get out there and get a Bible study. Right. Get out there. It's fun. It'll it'll be fun. It'll be challenging, and uh, you won't be sorry. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brother Ronnie, for taking the time to visit us here at the podcast. And for those of you who want to leave a comment or a question, you can email us at podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. Once again, that's podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. And we'll see you on the next episode.